Testing. One, two. Steve, say something. Something. Disgusting. I'll do whatever I want. I am Tom, and I'm in the barn tonight. Ooh. Oh, what the... Oh. What? oh, what are you finding? Kevin, Kevin just discovered the, the small Chinese boy living in his basement. Oh, yeah. He's been down there for a while. I know. It's correct. No, I ran. I actually, in hindsight, wasn't wise, but ran my hand through the couch cushions to see what was. Oh, yeah. Oh, might be hiding. Yeah. 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 You definitely have tennis. Yeah. I, uh, I found, I'm guessing it's one of the girl's friends. To something that they probably got in trouble for losing. <laughs> you found one of the girls' of the friends? Like, in there? I think you should call the police. <laughs> Immediately. I thought I needed to Nobody's reported missing, so. <laughs> so they, they must not care. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So it's just right, a drifter. It's <laughs> been down here as long as the. Had a child drifter in his couch? <laughs> God. Yeah, basically. That was a. Really weird place to pause. <laughs> One of my daughter's friends. <laughs> oh, that's. I wondered why the cushion was a little uneven. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail. So there will be spoilers. I'm Kevin. I'm Nate. I'm Tom. I'm Patrick. I'm Steve. And we made it successfully through another intro. So, uh, <laughs> joining us uh, for this month. Uh, sorry, let me start that over again. Or Thank you for joining us this month. <laughs> <laughs> Special guest <laughs> star. Yeah. Carol uh, Burnett. <laughs> That'd be great. I would love to have her on. I know, I right? Watch her as a kid. That'd be cool. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming back to our crazy shit that we do every month. This month's theme for picks and pairings was remakes. Uh, I had the main pick, and I went with Murder on the Orient Express. Paired with that was Evil Dead. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom? Yeah, Steve picked Evil Dead. That was Dead. Steve. Yeah. Okay. Because he's uh, a bastard. And then for the, <laughs> yeah, for the second matchup, we had Nosferatu the Vampire. Followed by Fitzcarraldo, which I'm sure will be a, an interesting conversation for those two. Uh, but we're going to get <laughs> right into Murder on the Orient Express. I'm just going to power through it. I had I had seen trailers for this, and I've been watching a lot of sci-fi or or superhero kind of thing. So I, I thought this would be a nice change. Plus, it is a, a remake, um, and so under uh, a suggestion of someone else in the podcast, I decided to go with that theme. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, for those that are probably under 30 years old, uh, was originally written by Agatha Christie. Uh, and uh, like I said, has been redone many times, many, many times. The synopsis that IMDb has listed on this, when a murder occurs on the train uh, he's traveling on, celebrated detective Hercule Poirot, I'm going to trip on that all night, Poirot, is recruited to solve the case. And I'm actually surprised that's all it says because, as I'm sure we'll talk about, there is a massive cast uh, that brings this yeah. movie together. So let's get right into this. Patrick, what did you think of Murder on the Orient Express? I enjoyed it. It was what, the mid-70s they made the movie with Albert Finney. I think that's sort of what before this was sort of the 
epitome of the movie. You know what I mean? Like there, there, it's been done several times. But that was sort of the oh, that the was like the, one is sort of the standard that it yeah. really hasn't been redone. You know, in a major way since then. That I, at least that I know. It was the quintessential Agatha Christie. Quint, yeah, yeah. And I don't really remember that one. That one too well. Other than I, I think that one was a bit more true to the book. Like as far as following the plot, they didn't take as many. Um, leniencies you know there weren't Poirot was you know in the book he's got candy wrappers all over the place you know he's constantly oh really candy yeah yeah <laughs> so I don't think that's true no it's not no <laughs> so um would this be method podcast method <laughs> exactly method podcast method yeah, podcast <laughs> sometimes it sounds like it but no, I uh, this so this one wasn't as strict. But they were a bit looser of an interpretation of the book. They took more um, variances, you know, from from the plot. But I think they did it well. Um, Poirot was a bit more of a badass in this movie than he, at least in the way I've always interpreted him and the way I've seen him. You know, he's always he's eccentric. He's very you know he knows what he wants. He doesn't suffer fools. But he was never like. I don't know. He, he, at least to me, he came off much more of like a badass in this movie, like a, not a tough guy, but just physically confident in himself. Yeah. Right? In the books, he was always much more of a, you know, intellectually commanding, but physically a bit meeker and a little bit more like shoved around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Whereas in here, he was just, you know, he took no shit from anybody on anything, um, which I liked. Branagh pulled it off, I thought. Well, um, yeah, I mean, without going into the plot too much, I mean, most people, oh, it's kind of hard to talk about this without really yeah, I think spoiling. It's fine. Yeah, no, we, so, I mean, we everybody just spoilers. knows you go into, I mean, it's yeah, we just we gave the disclaimer. You're free yeah. to go. Yeah. So I mean, and at the time, you know, the, the book obviously was. I mean, this was kind of a very unique. When she wrote the book, it was kind, you know, I and mean, it's why the book became so popular is because nobody had ever really done the. Oh, it was everybody. You know, yeah. it was weird watching this movie knowing how it's ending, but I still found it just as enjoyable watching this movie, even though I knew exactly how it was going to end. Yeah, um, same here. Well, I actually saw this twice, and I actually enjoyed it more the second time. Yeah, so that's what, I, I think that was my big fear going into it, was that one where I know the book so well, I know the, you know, I've seen the other movie, you know, sometimes you can kind of be so, you know it so well that, well, yeah. the twist isn't going to surprise me, it's not, but, but no, I thought they did it well. One thing I definitely, the cinematography was beautiful. I thought they did, it was a nice kind of touch going over, so as if you were above the ceiling, you know, they'd be yeah. out the hall. Yeah, it was kind of jarring. That one shot where they go into his room, right, and it pans up and over, and you're looking down on them while they're having a conversation. I don't know, I found that jarring, but I, I haven't, I've seen it twice now, and I haven't decided whether I liked it or not. I kind of like it. It's, it's almost like watching a stage play, but you're in such a cramped quarter quarters that like instead of doing like the one shot that's following characters in and out of rooms, it's like you're going up and over and like yeah. watching like on a stage, which I thought mm. was cool. But then the movie itself was still very cinematic. Yeah. I mean, Bruno is kind of the perfect choice for this because you want someone that can blend cinema cinematic feeling with a stage play. He's the best there is at that, I think. Oh, We're no. giving uh, letter grades. Yeah. Oh, a uh, through, yeah. A through mm -hmm. F, no pluses, mm -hmm. no minuses. Can you get those, Nate? Yeah, I got them. That's my job. It's the only reason to keep me around. Well, why don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, I give it an A. Excellent. All right, Stephen. Let's get you done with. <laughs> okay. Well, I, Breno, I think I think Breno's performance as Perot was actually fantastic. Mm -hmm. He seemed like a really unpleasant person to be friends with, 
but someone I'd love to be on a train with for just a little while. No, oh, he seems like a pleasant guy. He's just yeah, guy. but his particularness would get old after a while. But, but he's not a he's not an ass about it though. I mean, yeah, but, like, but he's he got, is. He in the beginning of the movie, he's got it sets up. He's got the kid running all over the city trying to find the per- perfect eggs. Yeah, right. And the brain of the first time, and he's like, "Nope," and because he's got to go back out. But then the kid comes back. He's like, he's not being a jerk to the kid. He's not. No, and that's why, like, being on a few days train ride with him would be fine. But being Mm -hmm. around this guy all the time, no. He met the one guy who's like, "I'll walk you back over to the train." He's like, "We can't ever meet again." I like you. He's very direct and like, you know, it's not gonna work out. But that performance, Brenna's performance, I thought was great. And I'm always worried when Brenna directs himself. Yeah, or anybody who directs themselves. Yeah. But he always managed, to me, he always manages to pull it off. It always works out pretty well. He's one one of the few people that can do both things. I Now, I haven't seen the 1970 whatever version of this. I haven't read the book. So I don't know if these are things that Brenner brought to it. Or... So did you not know the twist? I didn't know the twist, no. Whoa. Um, I figured it out as soon as, it's to me, it's pretty obvious as soon as two people have a connection, as soon as I found out that the, what, grandmother had the connection, I was like, oh, it has to be all of them. So you can't have two people on a train with a connection to this guy through this one murder, and, oh, it just happens. I mean, obviously, at that point, it's, they're setting it up to be it's everybody. So I figured it out, but that didn't detract from my enjoyment of it at all because the, the way they go about revealing it is fantastic. What is the motive of each one of these people? I, I understand everybody did it early on, but I, I want to know why. And that still kept me going till the end. And the, the Michelle Pfeiffer reveal of who she actually was, that was surprising. I knew she was going to be in on it, mm-hmm. but why was, was still surprising. And the, I noticed, because I went and saw it, uh, I don't know, last week, and then I saw it again last night. And I noticed second time through that Early on in the movie, they really set up this theme of black and white. There is right and wrong. There is no in between. He keeps hammering on. There is good and bad, and that's it. Um, either they're two perfect eggs, or they're not. And they're if they're not, I I reject them. And then you see that slowly breaking down. He's breaking down throughout the movie. There's that scene even up to the end where he says it's one of those moments where the characters have it all figured out. Everybody else has it figured out. Us as an audience have it figured out. And he, as a character, knows the truth, but he can't bring himself to accept it because it's not as simple as right and wrong. It's uh-huh. they did a wrong thing, but was it for the right thing reasons? It's a case where revenge is justified. So what do you do? It becomes this gray area that him as a character, he's not willing to live in, and he has to. And so I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant the way they pull that off at the end and the way Brana does as an actor by seeing him wrestling with this thing that everybody but him has already accepted. So, yeah, I give this an A. <laughs> I love this movie. I absolutely loved it. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Tom, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, this is, all, this is an easy A for me. I, I enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. I was laughing a lot. A lot of humor. I had seen the uh, 74 one. I think Sidney Lamette actually directed it. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I, I liked that movie. I actually think... I might prefer this one, although it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, just the way that was, he was able to make it so cinematic and the cast is great. Yeah, this is one of my favorites of the year. I think it's the best I've seen Johnny Depp in a long time. Yeah, I mean, he can still act. He's a good, yeah. he's a good <laughs> character actor. He yeah. really is. Yeah. So, Nate, um, are you going to make it a, a 
an all around, or are you going to rain on my parade? Come on, Nate. I mean, I do hate parades. <laughs> um, like le- legitimately, they might be my least favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Just below dead kids in your couch. Exactly. They're not dead. <laughs> that makes it worse. <laughs> comfortable. She she can go back to her family if she wants to. Whatever. Yeah. That's what the door is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there's. Just a series of traps and self mutilation. Then she can get out. <laughs> it's a, a saw, saw scenario. Oh, no. Sorry, I did. I just I just finished the saw series and watched the jigsaw movie in the theater. So that's why you've attended. Then you went and watched surface. Evil Dead. So your life has just been really dark. Yeah. It has been. Uh, um so no, I actually I'm actually really pleased. I thought I was gonna have to come on here. Mostly because I've been seeing like middling reviews for this movie. Yeah, I, and I think they're not even middling. I, I think they're somewhat some brutal reviews for this. I was reading them today. Yeah, and I was like, "That's I, I really don't understand them like at all." I I found this. I really enjoyed it, even knowing everything going in. I agree with Steve. I think his Branagh's performance and his direction is brilliant here. He gives each character plenty of time. Everybody's little performance is fantastic. I mean, you you've got a great cast with Derek Jacobi, Willem Dafoe. Penelope Cruz, um, heck, who Judy Dench, I, I mean, yeah, Daisy Judy Ridley Dench, is really Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, yeah. Josh Gad, yeah, and every, everybody is very, very good. And he he ups a little bit of the action, right, which is not really a Perot thing, but it's not so unreasonable. Like the first, the introduction where he all that he does action wise, he uses his cane. He still keeps him weak. Um, I think what Branagh did really, really well. You're talking about how the character is coming to this re- realization i think what he realized is the way that you update this is you have to focus on perot you yeah. know the twist a lot of us are going to know that and so you, you take some kind of an aspect it's the same thing people do with sherlock holmes now they take sherlock holmes obsessiveness which is in the books it's in the short stories a little and they heighten it and they modernize it and they say let's focus on this right and let's make sherlock holmes overly obsessive with perot he is brilliant and incredibly moral Right. Mm-hmm. He will always do the right thing because in the book, there's a little bit of a struggle, but it's really his character isn't struggling so much with the morality of this decision as just trying to figure it out. But here, I think Branagh pulled that out and said, well, what would a moral man do? And I, I mean, I, th- I think it was just it was kind of brilliant. It was also fascinating to see Branagh, who is a great actor and a great director, kind of have a lot of these small scenes with other really good actors and yeah. be able to you know work with. And it did feel like, you know, a play there where you could have these small little moments between each other and he keeps the tension really well where people keep confessing. And that's a good way of throwing people off. Um, that that initial I, scene I it was between fantastic. him and Johnny Depp, where they're just mm-hmm. like sitting down having the dessert. That's a great. It's funny. It's poignant. You get to know yeah. these characters. Um, there's still a th- sense of threat. There's still. Yeah, it creates tension, but it also like redirects it. That's just a, a fantastic and just a fantastic scene between two really good actors. All right, so uh, I, I are don't you know going I, to rain on your exactly. own parade? Exactly. <laughs> no, Nate, you did give this an A. I did give this an A. Yeah, okay. this is fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I uh, I thought I was going into it was going to be you know an okay movie, and I think Tom, you had said it. I I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. A lot of the the stuff we've already touched on the the scenery. Uh, at first, I said, well, it's something I can watch at TV, but then seeing just the the amazing backdrops as the train's going through the mountains and then like you said cutting into just that very tight confined space of the train i love that that kind of a a yo-yo effect where you're going in and out 
not fast to make you nauseous, but just to to give you scale. I, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Well, that was one of the major criticisms I read was that yeah. it spent too much time outside the train. Yeah, and oh, and <laughs> that it spent too much time outside the train, and it removed that sense of claustrophobia that the uh, book and the '70s movie gave you. I don't. I thought I, it made. I thought I, it made I it more interesting. That. You know, yeah. they're, they're kind of yeah. going yeah. inside and out of the train while they're well, stopped. And they're showing you how isolated they are yeah. from everything else. They're they're not going through small towns. They're going through, you know, canyons and, and uh, overpasses and tunnels. And, and they're completely disconnected from the outside world. And then getting um, them, the, the final moment, getting them out when he's going to reveal that he understands everything, putting them in front of the tunnel, putting them outside, but still in a claustrophobic Setting them up right? in the there's, Last Supper absence pose. behind them. Yeah, in a, in a yeah. Last Supper pose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's they're outside, but there's still there's this darkness surrounding them, this guilt, this terrible thing that they've done. So now the environment around them becomes oppressive. It's it's open, but you can't escape. Right. right. And that's what's going to happen to them after they are released, after they leave. They can't escape what they have done and they're going to have to live with yeah. it. And that's his punishment to them. And it's also his the punishment that he has to live with, where he's going to get stuck in the cycle and continue on. He doesn't actually get to rest. Something else, you know. And yeah. now he's left questioning everything. Something else that was also interesting is that these characters have spent this entire movie misdirecting you from the fact that they know each other, mm-hmm. and then after the mm-hmm. reveal, there are these little moments that show their sense of intimacy between them, you know, because mm-hmm. of this shared um, tragedy that they've all experienced. You know, I, I forget who it was that walked up behind. Well, Defoe's character and just squeezed his shoulder. Yeah, while he was sitting there, I just I think it was the butler, Derek Jacoby. Yeah, yeah just these just yeah. these little moments that they they showed that these characters have really had to experience this this intimate tragedy together. Now, I hadn't seen the previous movie or, or read the story, but in the the book, was it as many people that were involved? Yeah. Yes, it's it was a, a dozen. Uh, it's it, twelve. Yeah, it is twelve. Yeah. Wow, that was, it was like. I mean, the only was, they did the it's, it's based off of you know. I mean, I think she based off a jury, so it was a jury of twelve. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and then there's like each each chapter. He well, there's and there's more than twelve, but each chapter essentially, which it's very Agatha Christie. She sits down and Perot interviews each one and isn't just his train car with each one, and that's and you get to know the character and you get all these new little pieces of evidence and. You're trying to figure it out as it goes along. It's it's a brilliant piece of writing. Yeah. She was something yeah. else. Gold star for Kevin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gold star for Kevin. Whoopie do, Kevin. Whatever. I wasn't sandbagging this one. I don't know, Nate. You I might get a gold a star too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. I will, because only two of us watched it, so the rest of you can't vote. <laughs> Just back off. Yay me, go me. I think that's only my second or third. I can do the. But that's um, not why I do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it for the glory. Clearly for not. The why I do this. <laughs> All right, I can add it to flick chart if we're ready. Yeah, okay. All right, so we're gonna add Murder in the Orient Express to our flick chart. If you don't know what flick chart is, it is a website that allows you to compile all of your movies. It pairs them up, and then it creates a wonderful little chart so that you can determine. What is your favorite movie of all time? And you won't complain, and you won't disagree with it, and you won't be worried. Um, and our flick chart is perfect and has no problems or flaws. Except it's missing yeah, a movie that we... Oh, yeah. Lives of Others. Might be. I couldn't remember. It's missing the lives of yeah. others? Oh, my gosh. That's so good. I know, right? Like, we got to put that one on. Yeah, I didn't I yeah. did remember having that one on <laughs> the chart. Ridiculous. It's like one of the best movies we've done on the podcast. 
All right, so uh, Murder on the Orient Express comes up against a ooh, a very interesting and unfortunate litmus test, Fight Club. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's our new litmus, Fight Club. Huh. I got to go Fight Club. Got to go yeah. Fight Club. Nah, I got to go Fight Club, too. I actually would compare these movies as far as quality. It's still Fight quality, Club. Quality, yeah. Like quality of the filmmaking, I would say they're equal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's Fight Club. Yeah, even though this was a good movie, it was wasn't anything I haven't seen before. It just was that done really well. Fight Club was something I'd never seen before. All right, Murder on the Orient yeah. Express loses to Fight Club. Murder on the Orient Express or Manchester by the Sea? Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, Murder. Manchester murder. by the Feckin' Sea. Murder. Murder. <laughs> Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you turned into an old oh, Jewish God. woman. What, wow. what is happening? Well, they live up in Boston, too? Whatever. Uh, murder on the Orient Express or, or Lawless? I didn't see Lawless. Probably Murder on the Orient Express. Because I think the, the performances Express. are better. I don't know about that. There's really good performances in Lawless. The problem is that I think they're producing. Yeah, Murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's such a long time. Lawless <laughs> really well, is one of those movies. It's it's really good, but anytime it shifts its focus back to the Shia LaBeouf, Mia Wasikowska Romance. love story, I get bored. Yeah, yeah, and it's not as I think Shia, Shia and LaBeouf it shifts it back really. with yeah. with voiceover and with oh, yeah. montage, yeah. and it's just it's so weak. Shia LaBeouf's fine in yeah. it, but it needed to be a lot more like the proposition and the road, where it's just a lot more straightforward. It needed to be the Lawless. And, but I, I think that was a producer thing. I think that was, and that was the Weinstein's, by the way. I think that, I think that, I think that Bob or Harvey Weinstein, somebody came in and said, no, this is not as palatable. Like we need to have music and we need to have voiceover to explain it to a modern audience. Well, wasn't Harvey the one involved in the production side, and Bob was more of a financial guy? Yeah, Bob just acquired things, um, for the most part. Harvey um, just touched, especially. Things. Movies. <laughs> just things that, that, that Bob acquired. <laughs> oh gosh. Murder. I'll go murder. <laughs> <laughs> so murder on the Orient Express beats out Lawless. Murder on the Orient Express or Predators. Murder. That was also a Harvey Weinstein film. It's a good movie. Trying to make a joke, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, nice! Hey, yeah. Yeah. if I'd have got that, that'd have been really funny. <laughs> Someone will listen and be like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was more for the audience than for us." Yeah. All right. Um, murder on the Orange Express or Fist of Legend? Murder, murder on the Orange Express. Murder. I'm gonna go Fist of Legend. Murder on the Orange Express. Now, now I'm just thinking about Samantha Morton in Minority Report. Murder, <laughs> murder okay. on the Orient Express. Or Mars Attacks. Murder. murder. Oh, Murder on the Orient Express. The movie, yeah, go Murder. The movie's getting worse. Closer <laughs> yeah. back to the middle to go. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Um, so that puts Murder on the Orient Express at 281 out of 558 movies on our podcast. So yeah, right, ab- right about the yeah. middle. All right. So we're going to talk about Evil Dead next. Yep. Yep. So I picked for the theme of remakes. I uh, picked a remake of a movie that I like a lot, Evil Dead. The first one is well, I pretty much everybody's seen it. It's cult classic, and but it's very campy and kind of 
doesn't take itself too seriously, although I don't know if that was actually intentional with the original. Uh, but at least the sequel that they made is very campy and kind of realizes what it is. Um, and this Evil Dead remake from 2013 by, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Fede? Feed? Fede. Fede Alvarez. It makes it much more of a horror movie than kind of a campy cult classic kind of thing. And he also made Don't Breathe, which I think is one of the best horror movies of uh, 2016. I mm-hmm. absolutely love that movie. So um, I decided against my better judgment, I decided to go with Evil Dead because um, I know it's known for being extremely gory and that's not the kind of horror I usually like, but I figured, eh, what the hell. So, so you uh, picked a movie that was on a list of specific movies I never wanted to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to get a hold of that list, by the way. <laughs> um, I think it was like also on mine. Yeah. Because uh, I had read about things like the tongue splitting. Things that, oh, that, yeah. yeah, the tongue splitting, yeah. I didn't want to submit myself. I was, to I was ready for that one, thank God. I turned away in time. Yeah, um, yeah. there was a few things where I couldn't look. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with Patrick and uh, to see how he felt about it. Because I'm pretty sure I know how Tom and Nate feel about this. Patrick, I'm not quite sure. So, Patrick, how did you feel about this gross 70,000 gallons of blood? Yeah, movie. No, it was that was gory. Yeah, I mean, that was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've seen like we were talking about earlier. I, I know I've seen most of Evil Dead in pieces. I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched the whole thing. But I mean, I've seen Army of Darkness, and yeah, I think I was expecting more of the sort of camp horror, you know, kind of thing. And, oh, it was not. <laughs> it's um, not camp horror. That's for sure. no, no, it isn't. No, they go right in for the. See, I, I wasn't. I don't know if I was expecting it to be that gory. Um, actually, that was pretty d- done well, though. Like, I wasn't. I mean, with a lot of horror movies, you have this kind of. There's the standard. Why would you do that? Like, that's there's there's a certain amount of stupidity of the characters' parts yeah. that you have to have, or else this doesn't happen. Why would you find a book with a bunch of barbed wire over it and say, "Let me just open this and start randomly reading pages from it"? Why would when, you take a drug addict down to the middle of nowhere to try and rehabilitate her? Yeah, but and yet she it's still nice the key. You know, when they first did it, it's like, oh, you know. But let's be honest. Her, if then they're like, you found oh, yeah, a book that was wrapped in barbed wire. Oh yeah, I would totally open it because that no, that doesn't happen in real not? life. And you saw the so, devil spells inside. You'd start reading them out loud. I would now. That's the point where I find out. Curiosity. You're right. I may open the book. That's my but big I'm problem with this movie. It's actually the the starting premise. From a story standpoint, that's my biggest problem with this movie. Because yeah, you but the, and not so much the book because they they have that scene where it zooms in the back on of what's is that Eric is that 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 guy's name? I don't know. The uh, nerd nerd with glasses guy. Yeah, yeah. hippie nerd with glasses. We'll, um, we'll call him Eric. And and they have voices, <laughs> and so there seems to be like a sense of like okay, the books making him do this. The uh, problem that I have is when you go down into the basement and you find dead cats strung up with barbed wire, covered in blood. I don't care what you're in that cabin for. You leave. <laughs> yeah. You know like, that's well. my issue. That's, and that's, that's a horror trope. And that's the exactly. biggest problem I have with this movie from a, story t- from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah. But, I, I mean, to some degree, that's, there's always that. You know, like when she's locked down there and the girl, like, opens up opens the door it up, yeah. and goes down. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, you deserve to die. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. like, okay, well, you're asking for it, really. I mean, obviously, the blood and gore. Like I said, there were some very disturbing parts that we don't necessarily even need to go into. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I had to cringe and look away from. Oh, yeah. 
we kind of do to like warn people about it. I honestly feel that way. Like you need to know if you sit down and see what you're getting into. You're in for a lot of oh, and turning away. Yeah. Like, I, but yeah. to some degree, I mean, if that's the point of a horror movie, like so to me, I thought it was kind very of well done. For the most of here. the movie, I was kind of sitting there, you know, hands clenched kind of tight like oh, oh you know even mm -hmm. even when it gets to that point where you know they're gonna do something stupid you know what's happening next when it wasn't that suspenseful they hit you with a little bit more gore but then when it wasn't as gory they hit that was when they brought in the more suspense yeah. i mean so i thought they did a good balance of that either the gore or the suspense was making me be on edge the whole time he's, so, he's very good at the director's very good at maintaining that unrelenting terror yeah yeah he oh yeah that, he does that really well and don't breathe yeah 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 same thing yeah where it's, it's just the whole time you're just on that like you're right on that edge which yeah. is great so i i've been I, I think i give the movie a b i was not expecting to enjoy it as much as i did i'm not a big horror buff and there i mean there were definitely some parts i'm uncomfortable with yeah but all in all like at the end of it i was like oh that was good like I, that's kind of the way i wanted to feel at the end of a horror movie so okay yeah tom i am a horror buff i have kind of a love-hate relationship, I guess, just because I don't like gore. I don't like this kind of movie where there's a lot of people getting mutilated in graphic detail. I don't, I just don't want or need to watch that stuff. The um, shock gore. It's gore for a lot of, like, shocks. For shocks. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I mean, we've already talked about there's, there's, I feel like a smarter horror movie these days should be past that where characters are making decisions on that level of stupid. Especially, like, characters that have a medical background and you're still having scenes where like they're pulling the knife out like you're you're way more likely to die if you pull the knife out it wasn't the nurse that did that he doesn't have the medical background the nurse is dead at that point okay but this is the guy that's like encyclopedic about everything else that's happening it's below the level of intelligence that, that they're set up to be um i don't really buy the premise of the film i will say that i, I was impressed how it was well made overall i was impressed with how they were able to incorporate all the kind of classic beats of the original film mm -hmm. in a way that made sense to the plot like mm -hmm. um yeah you know in, in the original film like it's very campy like i mean your your own hand turning on you is, is a very campy <laughs> yeah. thing in this it's made into something absolutely horrifying so the way they were able to do that kind of thing work in the chainsaw you know work in all the stuff you know her peeking out from the basement um pretty much they managed to get every classic beat even the uncomfortable tree rape mm -hmm. scene yeah made a lot more sense in this film yeah. in terms of like the the kind of horror that this was so it's a movie i wish i'd never seen uh <laughs> but for what it is i can give it a c okay nate actually i tom said Berkeley, i was going to give this a c it's incredibly well made and i can see um that alvarez I, I haven't seen Don't Breathe, but I, I can see what he's doing with this, and it's very effective. I just really don't like it. Yeah. This you would, is you would probably a, like Don't Breathe, because don't breathe, basically this without the gore. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of level of and, tension. You know, and there's there are two kinds, and I, I always go back to this sometimes when I'm talking about horror, but there are two kinds of horror. There's horror that's meant to just to be a, exploitive, and then there's horror where they're, they're, they are, the director seems horrified by the violence. And I, I was reading a little bit after I watched this. Uh, Alvarez said that he wanted the the watcher to feel like they were observing something they shouldn't be. And he accomplished that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like you're you're watching this and you feel like you, this is not something I should be watching. You know, and it is. It's incredibly uncomfortable. It's incredibly disturbing. 
I think the fir- the Sam Raimi's version is still that way. You know, Evil Dead 2 is still very disturbing, right? When he has his girlfriend's head in a vice and talks to her and then squishes it. Uh, oh, yeah, the originals aren't my cup of tea either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the, the campy nature of it allows it to remain in this step of, like, fantasy. It allows, in a weird way, for us as the audience to still be able to handle it. Um, This is just downright and it is terrifying it is downright terrifying but i just can't i just can't handle this it's just so sadistic it's again it's well made but the, especially yeah the the mutilation scenes how long they take resting on the scene where she, she splits her tongue it's oh, just yeah it's just i didn't watch it um, i'm still cringing from it like i, I didn't yeah. actually see it happen and i'm still like yeah, i'm biting my tongue right now like no yeah and you can do intensive moments like that well, I think of how I felt after like 127 hours, and we have equally as horrifying, cringeworthy moments where he's ripping off his own arm. But there seemed that's like you're building up to the single moment of gore, and mm-hmm. what can happen in a film like this when it's just over and over and over again, and then you're left at the end where what they did use like 40,000 gallons, yeah. where you just you just have to get to a point where it's just it's so much overkill, but it's not treated with campiness, and so I can't even laugh at it to the point of where it just becomes wasteful in a weird way like there's literally just too much you're just awash in blood and gore and i'd be more worried about becoming desensitized to that right because there's so much there you go to the point of where you're past the that kind of curve and you're just knocking people out with what should normally horrify us and so i i give it a c because it is it is well crafted for what it is i don't mind her them going here to for her to kind of kick the habit, you know, it's somewhat unrealistic, but whatever, I'll, I'll buy that premise. All right. It's just, once you see those, that, that is the dumb idea. Once there's a threat to this environment, you should get out and drop her off at rehab and say, good luck, sister. Like, that's what you should do. Call the police and tell them that your, uh, your place out in the woods is covered in blood and dead cats. And you don't know how they right. got there. Yeah. And you don't know how they got there. And this is really concerning to us. Coming. Well, they do kind of address that. I mean, I agree with you guys. But they they try to at least address that with what, you know, they set up this idea, well, she's done this before, so we got to make sure we stick this out, right? So that's the reason they they are trying to force this thing. And then they yeah, do but try it's, it's to leave. Yeah, not something I buy. Yeah, well, they, then they do try to leave, but they're prevented from leaving, right? right. Um, so they're, they're at least the movie itself acknowledges, okay, these people should be getting out of here. We need a mm-hmm. reason why they're not. And that's right. that's along the lines of what I was saying is they work these be- beats in because in the in the original Evil Dead the reason that they can't leave is very fantastical mm-hmm. right he right. goes and finds the bridges out am I right about this yeah yes, I think it's so. the bridges I might be I might be conflating Evil Dead one and two I've seen Evil Dead two a lot more recently mm-hmm. but they're the same yeah, more he, or less he finds the bridges out right mm-hmm. uh, without an explanation and it looks very fant- fantasy like in this they're they're in a deluge. Of a rainstorm the entire time they go they find the roads washed out with a flash flood like that's mm-hmm. very reasonable that's very mm-hmm. realistic that's something that could happen so I, I like that's why i give this a c instead of anything lower is it, they worked in these these beats very organically intelligently and, and organically yeah. yeah or even when you know when they do realize that this book isn't just some weird book he tries to burn it right, right. he doesn't sit there and 
Well, let's yeah. look through it to see if there's the idiot did still read it in the first place. Yeah, you know, but... which is part that's it's that that's my problem is the ignition of this is so problematic. I mean, almost you all, all you have to do is just not have them find the the dead cats and the you know spot where they burned the girl later. Yeah. Right after they go down in the basement a, a second time, and maybe the book is somewhere else or or hidden, they stumble upon Although, it some, some other way. That opening sequence I thought was actually really smart mm-hmm. because well, it was I mean, it was a great way to start horrifying us. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, this there's this poor young girl, and these weirdos mm-hmm. are attacking her, and and then they how they flip that mm-hmm. is actually great. Really, I was not expecting it. Yeah, I I. Kind of saw saw where that was going a little bit just because of my familiarity with the Evil Dead, you know, and how that works. But right. yeah, I thought I thought that was a good way to introduce the concept of of what the Evil Dead is. And one thing that there's no reference to this in the original. This is about drug addiction, right? This is about oh, this drug drug yeah. withdrawal, right? I mean, yeah. the, this whole experience is a metaphor for drug withdrawal. And yeah, and a lot of the best horror and is, the dim- and, yeah, and the damage you do to the other people around you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The lives that get destroyed and all this stuff. I did like that as well. And that was int- I th- I found that really interesting, making this a, basically a metaphor for that. So I, I I'm with Patrick. I'm giving it a B. Um, I I agree. I I don't like this kind of movie in general. I don't like the gore. Um, I don't even like you know minor. Stephen had a pillow. I he did. was clutching a pillow for most of them. <laughs> I, I really was. Yeah. I, I this is this not the kind of movie that flowers I, on it <laughs> that I like, but I think it's pretty well made. It's for this kind of movie and kind of it does fall in some of the cliches, but that's kind of this genre of movie, and I can kind of like okay, yeah, that that keeps it from being an A. You know, it's not no cabin in the woods. Yeah, I think especially post cabin in the woods, yeah. it's hard to watch a cabin in the woods movie and not have the the cliches just glaring. Yeah, exactly. So, but I still think it's a the problem. Is it's, it's so easy to correct them? Also, from a script standpoint, that you can still hit everything else. That's probably the problem with the cliches is their weakness to storytelling. Right? Yeah, and I, I appreciate. I was watching because I'd read previously that basically everything in this is practical effects. I didn't use any CGI yeah. or any of that. And uh, so I was hey, watching. Same with Fitzcarraldo. Well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, and I was watching, and there's some pretty impressive things that he did if it was pure practical effects like things like the shower where his skin starts just peeling off mm-hmm. i don't know how you do that without cgi <laughs> you know I, it's crazy so i think they use cgi just to for the fire fire and yeah mm-hmm. lighting effects that kind of thing so i uh, it's pretty impressive as far as the effects that he was able to pull off and i am going to be watching what this guy does in the future because mm-hmm. He's he's a pretty good. He's horror don't breathe too somehow. But he's also, he's also like one something called Labyrinth that okay. has nothing to do with uh, David Bowie or Jim Henson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's disappointing. That was Kevin back. So Kevin, what do you think of this? I had a lot of fun watching it. <laughs> <laughs> On the couch where the dead child is stuffed in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, like you said, you you know what's coming, um, you, you know what to expect in most cases. Um, having watched B horror movies, it was done well enough where I wouldn't automatically call it a B horror movie. But at this point, it's so easy to to get good quality into it. Part of what I grew up with 
looking at B horror movies was a combination of things. One was the quality of the movie and the acting. Two was the level of writing or or the lack thereof. And that's changed obviously over time. It's the writing just in general has gotten better because it has to in most cases, unless it's Sharknado or some piece of crap like that. So I I, I kind of looked at this almost in that same avenue where okay yeah you know it's it's a horror movie and they're gonna do stupid shit they're gonna they're gonna have half a dozen warning signs for them to turn the fuck around and go home <laughs> that they're just gonna ignore completely so you kind of go through it and I look at it from a lens of okay how are they gonna take a different angle on this or you know how is it gonna show me something different um, so I mean I had a good time watching it the uh, the brothers acting bugged me a little bit because it was bad just in general uh yeah. and the only other problem i had with it was the uh nerdy hippie guy he didn't die he did eventually but he must have been impaled like eight times <laughs> yeah, he's a human pincushion yeah. Yeah, yeah and he just kept coming back knives <laughs> and nails sticking out of him <laughs> yeah hands uh, in half and... the the carpenter in me has a safety problem with that nail gun but we're not <laughs> yeah really yeah uh, so I, I had a fun time watching this. There, there was a lot, a lot of blood, and, and the, the worst part for me was her tearing her own arm off. But I, I honestly, I was, I had kind of disconnected this from Evil Dead Two by that point. You know, I, I knew it was there and everything, but I had completely forgotten about the chainsaw. So when I saw her shove her stump arm into that thing, I was like, yeah, and I, I love that. <laughs> as gross as it was, that was kind of cool. Actually, the, um, so worst, gonna... the worst scene in this for me was when she was cutting her own face off. That yeah. was horrible. That was yeah. worse than the tongue thing. I expected that to be worse than it was. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I mean, yes, still. Her cheek is basically laying on the floor and yeah. slips on it, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I was expecting <laughs> her to turn around and just like no face. The yeah. face just hanging off. And, no, the, no, the, tongue, the tongue splitting thing is the, I couldn't even. That's the one that I just couldn't I... watch it. Oh, oh. There were so many like that that just make you cringe the whole time. You got, you know, one eye shut, the other one half open, and you're just, yep. you're, you're, you're half your muscles are tense. Uh, no, I give this a B. I had fun. There was some some holes and and some areas for improvement. But I had a good time watching it. Well, three Bs and two Cs. It gives it a C plus, which is a T Rex with a machine gun. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the grade isn't that great, but the icon is good. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to add Evil Dead to Flickchart. If you don't know what Flickchart is, you have the internet. Figure it out, dummy. I'm just giving you options here, Tom. I'm giving you options for what you want to go with. Yeah, give give right, me so. one angry and give me one happy. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> At the same time. That's what she said. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have been. I have been waiting a month to hear you say that. And watch it. No, because I've been going through. I watched The Office, and then I'm on season eight or nine. And Dylan started. She's on season three. So, like, at least once a day, you hear that on our TV. That's what she said. And every time, like, oh, Nate says that. <laughs> that's what Nate says. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what Nate says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first matchup on Flickchart is Evil Dead versus The Final Cut. Final Cut. I'd say Evil Dead. I'm, I'm going to go, go Final Cut. Yeah, I'm going to go Final Cut. I'm going to go Final Cut, too. A lot of that does have to do with the fact that I don't like The Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. I'm more interested in... That's fair. I just have sci-fi than 
gross, yeah. gory armies. Evil Dead or Manchester by the Sea? Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, Manchester by the Sea. That's easy. I, yeah. Manchester by the Sea is a better movie. No, that's the thing. I can recognize it's a good movie. I but I, I would like rather watch Evil Dead. It's less disturbing, less painful no. to watch. Manchester uh, by the Sea was yeah, painful to that. watch. Yeah, well, are you talking about pain- different types? In terms of, of content? No. In terms, uh, of, like, in terms of well, content too is pretty rough. But just I, it's so, Manchester by the Sea is an oppressive movie. I just feel like there I have a hundred pound weight on me. Yeah, but I feel like with Evil Dead, someone's throwing one hundred pound weights at me. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> get that because it doesn't feel it feels fantastical. So Manchester won. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're just waiting for your final say. Oh, I already said Evil Dead. Oh, whatever. I don't listen. Yeah. Um, the moral vote. Manchester by the Sea wins. <laughs> yeah. Moral vote for Evil Dead. Good job. Yeah. Live with yourself. No. <laughs> um, next up is Evil Dead versus The Four Seasons. We were just talking oh. about Carol Burnett. Yeah. yeah. How do you think she would wants... feel about the Evil Dead? Like, how would she? How that would, would be a good mix. Like, because they're out in a cabin in the yeah. woods, right? <laughs> <laughs> to have that group oh, yeah. with this scenario. <laughs> oh, that, that would be an interesting. That would be a fun movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check if Alan Alda has ever been in a horror film. Oh, please say, say he, he might has. be the most. <laughs> He might be the most annoying character in a horror film, just like narrating things as they go on. Like, I don't really know if we should go near that guy with the axe in his hands. I just think we should walk in the yeah. direction. Yeah. He'd be one of those where you don't mind if he dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. I, I got to go the Four Seasons. I would Evil go Dead. the Four Seasons. Yeah. I go Evil Dead. Was that three for Evil Dead? Yeah. That's too bad. Whatever. When Carol Burnett joins our podcast, you're going to have to tell her that you guys made that <laughs> Evil Dead or Dummy, a movie we haven't talked about in a while. Yeah, that's Dummy. Cool. I that doesn't sound familiar. Just for the John Philip Sousa scene, I would go Dummy. John Philip yeah. I don't Dummy. remember much about that movie. I mean, I know I saw it and I talked it's about Adrian it. Adrian Brown and tells a ventriloquist. I remember yeah. like the movie. I don't remember anything oh, that God. actually happens in I'm the trying movie. Trying to jog Kevin's memory. Oh, I haven't. I'm looking at the. I don't he falls in love with uh, his um, temp agency. Agent? Wow. It's uh, Vera Farmiga, no. isn't it? Vera Farmiga. I haven't seen this. Yeah. Mila Jovovich is in it. She's yeah. Oh, wow. Klezmer Band. This is, <laughs> this is like a, a lot of them. It's like a supermodel cast. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful little romantic comedy. And there's a great scene. Remember, he just sends like, do you want to listen to some music? And plays like John Philip Sousa, like marching band. They just sit there. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, I haven't seen this. I can't vote. I'll have to check this out. That was one of my picks. I think I, because this, I, this, the quirky little romantic comedy is a genre that I like more than tongue splitting genre. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'd go with Dummy. I've kind of grown out of it a little bit. Really? But I still like the ones that I like yeah. back in the day. I still like, I mean, when it's done right, it's one of the best kinds of movies. Yeah, I just think, but it's hard to do right. They started to try to be a little too, uh, Cutesy. Yeah. Too twee. Here's <laughs> question. Would you guys consider Evil Dead uh, torture porn? Would you put it in that category? Pretty close. It's close, yeah. It's not uh, quite, because I feel like there's more of a purpose to it than just the... I feel like the torture in this movie is with a purpose. I don't feel like it's, it's just to It doesn't watch seem them. to me to be the, the focus. People don't yeah. like getting put into torturous traps. Yeah, the focus isn't... That makes sense. Mm-hmm. A person or a cult that yeah. traps and 
mutilates people, which pretty much is what torture porn does. Um, so the next matchup definitely. is Evil Dead, or the single greatest movie of all time. Alone, a place for dying. <laughs> Evil Dead. Mm. I gotta watch the first 20 minutes of that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. But none of the rest. Like Just on. the first 20 minutes. Yeah, it's I got like, vote. I'm looking at this poster. The poster yeah, if you is watch more than 20 in... minutes, you're not allowed to vote on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the poster is just covered in all these awards. Like, it's just all these, like, festival awards. And it's, you know, got the silly, like, wheat things all around it. That's all it is. Like, claiming that this is literally, like, the greatest movie of all time. You mean Laurel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. Really? I'm actually go Evil Dead. <laughs> okay. Evil Dead, or how in the world is this movie so high? Yuli's Gold, <laughs> the Academy Award-nominated beekeeping film. Uh, Evil Peter Dead. Peter Fonda's Not forehead literally head-butted his way into <laughs> an Academy Award nomination. Uh, mm. Evil Dead. Yeah, I'm go Evil Dead. <laughs> Yuli's Gold has that ridiculous moment where they throw the gun into a puddle. It's like, well, no way he's getting it now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's two feet away and under three inches of water. No chance. All right, Evil Dead beats Yuli's Gold. That puts it at 374 in our flip chart out of 559 movies. So the bottom half, it's below Monsters, one of the most um, divisive films on our podcast, Prometheus, and The Tree of Life. It is above Mercury Rising, Premium Rush, and Staying Alive, which for some inexplicable reason is way too high. <laughs> that's, that's Staying Kevin's Alive fault, I'm sure. <laughs> should not be that high. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back and talk to you about some Werner Herzog films. So next week, we're going to be uh, following up this podcast of remakes uh, with Nosferatu the Vampire and Fitzcarraldo. I, for some reason, I couldn't get that name out. Very interesting. I didn't realize at first. Uh, damn it, what's his name? Klaus Krinsky. Uh, double feature. So, Kinsky, yeah. Um, Kinsky, yeah. And Werner Herzog. It's a Werner Herzog, Klaus Kinsky joint. Uh, and so, oh, so I'm comfortable in my basement. I gotta spend more time down here. <laughs> no, now I know why Brian Skypes in all the time. I can sit in warmth. It's actually pretty warm in here. Yeah, we got the anyway, heater going. Um, it's nice. So, Tom, you picked uh, Nosferatu. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I, like, I swear like I'm movie, not. Out I'm you know? Yeah. It's like, what's the point, man? <laughs> this is also crazy, man. <laughs> I gotta even know. I'm Sky Man. I'm Tyler Lamar. Yes, I chose. Nosferatu as my remake. It's it's a remake of of Nosferatu, which I also chose for the podcast in the past. Yeah, didn't work out great. Did you choose Shadow of the Vampire? I chose Shadow of the Vampire as well because that's how I do. Is there is there another movie based on that movie that we can get on the podcast at some point? It's basically Dracula. He just he he really wants us to like this story. He just really really wants us. It's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. No one's saying that's a good story. 
We're going to have nothing left if we do a Dracula-themed podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. Oh, my gosh. We've done so a lot of Dracula movies. Yeah. yeah. We got the whole Twilight Saga, guys. You have the yeah, whole I'm... Twilight Saga. <laughs> I'm busy that much. Um, yeah. yeah and then I Nate, only have, like, and two then more Nate, I need uh, to see. And then Nate had chosen Fitzcarraldo based on the Werner Herzog Klaus Kinski uh, connection. connection. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I just like um, movies about boats. And I haven't seen I like either boats. one of them. Uh, wasn't aware of the the correlation. Have you guys uh, seen any of these? I had not Prior seen either one. Oh, no, I had not. No. Nate, have you seen Fitzcarraldo already? Um, No, I had not seen Fitzcarraldo. I really wanted to, which is why really? I chose it. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Patrick, I don't care what you think. Um, so, <laughs> next... <laughs> Next so apparently, time. Uh, you and wow. Mike's change here and Lisa are not on the same page. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Is that still happening? Oh, yeah, it's getting worse. <laughs> she is brazen. Oh. She wants to ride ride down when we go on vacation with just her and Patrick, and his family can ride in our car. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> wow. So join us next time. <laughs> as we as do we, a special. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick needs um, a bit of drink. got the list right here guys so uh, it's um, not nate it's not you <laughs> oh it's i had me. the list it starts chinchilla uh, um, thank god it's not you um, yeah hedgehog oh i like hedgehog yeah. <laughs> you sound like you're really getting into this kevin yeah. <laughs> Clay, you're like your very white voice came on drinking your apple moonshine oh you are we are yeah, too shit might get weird <laughs>